0: The spectators filed in until every seat in the gallery was taken. Then Ryan was led to the council table by one of the MPs. Brent noticed a stunned look on his face, as if he had seen one of his dead comrades come back to life. Ryan took a seat at council table, nervously looking over his shoulder into the gallery. What is it? Right out there, in the audience, it's Jamal Obama. Are you sure... Yes, there's no mistake. That's him. Isn't that the guy Jack met up with in Michigan? Brody asked. Yeah. Jack served him with a subpoena, but we never expected him to show up. Are you ready for him? asked Ryan. Of course. Truth be told, Brent was not thoroughly prepared for this witness. He had only prepared a cursory outline, because Obama was not bound by the subpoena. The court's jurisdiction arm did not reach all the way to Michigan, and Brent never expected him to show up at all. Of course, Jack would not have told him that. He would have said everything he had to say to leave the lasting impression that he had been ordered to appear. Some of Brent's best moments had come when he had to wing it. Hopefully, this would be one of those times. He flipped in his trial notebook to the miscellaneous tab and pulled out the direct outline for Obama. The judge took the bench and all counsel and Ryan rose and remained standing while the members took their places. Court is again in session in the case of United States v. Bennington. Counsel, you may call your next witness. Brent stood up and looked over his shoulder to make sure Obama was still there. Thank you, Your Honor. I call Sergeant Chamul Obama. Brinkman frantically swept through his notes, and then he remembered that this was a witness that was on the list, but whom he was not able to reach for a deposition. He had to rely completely upon the summary of testimony that Brent had provided to him in the very beginning of the case, which meant that he was as unprepared for this witness as Brent. Mr. Obama, please come forward and be sworn. Jamul stood up "'shuffled through the people in his row and made his way down the aisle. "'He appeared to be apprehensive, as if he was expecting enemy fire. "'He stood in front of the clerk, took the oath, "'and then took his seat in the witness chair. "'He was a little disheveled, had stringy, long hair and an unkempt beard, "'but he was dressed pretty decently, in black slacks and a white shirt. Sergeant Obama, did you serve under Captain Ryan Bennington in Iraq?' Yes, sir, I did. For how long? About six months, just up to the point that I was assigned to Special Forces because I spoke Arabic. And did you take part in Operation Surgical Strike? Yes, I did. Can you describe your role in Operation Surgical Strike? I was assigned by Captain Bennington as the team leader for Charlie Squad. Do you remember the instructions given by Colonel Parker for Operation Surgical Strike? Yes, I do. What do you recall of the instructions? Colonel Parker told us that Intel had identified certain Al-Qaeda operatives in the village of al Nasser, and we were to go in and kill those operatives who did not surrender to us. So this was an assassination mission? Obama poised himself to answer, opened his mouth, and Brinkman objected. Objection! Argumentative! Assumes facts not in evidence! Leading! Come on, Jamul, answer! Sustained! Jamul kept his mouth shut during the objection, probably his military discipline kicking back in. Don't talk while someone else is speaking, especially someone in authority. Brent pushed on. Describe what happened on the mission. Sergeant Welch headed up a squad which established a perimeter around the operation. My team approached the house at the coordinates that had been established for us. P.F.C. Terence Bradley breached the door at my command, and we all filed in with me in the lead. In the first room, I shouted out in Arabic for all suspects to freeze and to raise their hands. Two did not, and I shot them. Dead? Of course dead! If you don't shoot to kill, you're the one who is killed.